Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. I'm so thankful uh, that you guys are here. You can be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read a section, explain it, and then we're going to go back and forth. So make sure and, and keep your Bibles open today to Ephesians chapter 2. As we look at uh, our church intentionally becoming uh, multi-ethnic, and so we're going through passages of Scripture that help us understand how God works in that paradigm. And so uh, today we're going to start out... Uh, uh, with remembering. So we're going to start out like an old man. Well, back in my day, so that's where we're going to start today. So think about either homecoming or a family reunion. Homecoming, you go home, you talk to your buddies uh, from high school, that type of thing, and you might, you know, catch everybody up on your children and stuff, but you end up eventually just telling stories from the past. Same way with a family reunion. You know, you, you remember those things that happened. Um, in fact, I was reminded, I, I'm going to go uh, visit my cousin here in a couple of weeks. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's four years older than me. He was my idol growing up. I wanted to be like him. We hung out. And I'll never forget when he turned to be a teenager and, and I was still younger, he slept all the time. That's all he did was sleep. And and and, and so we would go on these trips together and, uh, and we would... Um, like vacations and stuff, and they'd stop and they'd say, are you boys hungry? And my cousin would go back to sleep, and so I would look, I didn't know how to answer, so I would look at my cousin, his name is Rhett, and I'd go, Rhett, are we hungry? And, uh, and so I would, I mean, then everybody always remembers that, are we hungry? And so, so I would, Rhett wouldn't say anything, so I'd go, no, we're not hungry, because Rhett's not hungry. So I'd be sitting in the back seat starving to death, and he'd sleep forever, and so what's funny about about that is now he is a world-class chef. And so uh, so he, he finally got the hunger gene, I guess. And so just remembering, the Bible starts out in this passage with remember, but it's remember what you were like before Christ. If you're here today and you're checking out either our church or Christianity, this first section is such a good descriptor of who you are without Christ, and we want you to know who we were without Christ. This is not like we've attained all this. This is what Jesus does for us in his relationship with us. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. So remember then, he says, remember. At one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those who called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ." So he says, remember, remember what you were like before your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he starts out and he, and he shows us that there is, there is uh, we are all born into this sin. And it is so natural in sin to take this tone of uh, my race, my way, my people are better than you. And I do that by making fun or by, by uh, belittling others. Look, they called each other names. See, the Old Testament, the way that you knew uh, that you were a believer, 
believer was you were circumcised. So the Gentiles were not circumcised. So now you've got them calling each other names uh, based on that. And so you've got this natural division that will happen in our natural selves as we, as we uh, are not in Christ and look at each other. So there's this, there's this hostility, he says. There's a dividing wall from the very beginning in your life because of our sin. And he says, look at the condition that you were. He says, you were without Christ. You were excluded. You were foreigners. You were without hope. You were without God. You were far away. This is the description of us born outside of Christ, of us not knowing Jesus Christ. All of these things, it ought to bother us. River Valley, it ought to bother you to see people who are lost in the world. It ought to, ah, I hate it. I hate that people don't know Christ, don't know who he is, don't know the freedom and the love that he provides. It ought to bother us. Uh, years ago, I was reading a, a book on hell. And uh, I was also, I was, I was, uh, traveling, I was preaching at a church in Florida. So I was reading this book on hell, and so I was thinking about hell one night, and I was thinking about all these kids were coming. Uh, our church had like a softball field, and so I'd play softball with them, and we ended up having a, a revival for them to, to try to get them to know Christ, but they, they didn't know Christ. And I remember thinking about hell one night, thinking about these kids and, uh, uh, you know, their life without Jesus. And God gave me a moment, and, and, and I, I say this with, with I, I don't want to like I think sometimes preachers kind of flash things that are like sort of true, sort of not. Let me, I, I'm trying to be as honest as I can. It was as if, I, I, I mean, I can still remember the place I was. I can still remember the thoughts. And it was as if God had, uh, God took me and God showed me. And, and it's almost like hell was behind a curtain. And he pulled back the curtain. And I mean, slightly. I mean, not, not like he opened it up and I saw hell. I'm not saying that at all. It's almost like he opened it up like just a tiny bit. And I'll never forget the rush of anguish. And the ru uh, he, it's, it's almost, he showed me or he let me feel a little of what it feels like to be in an eternity without him. And I'm not for any, I, I'm not, I, 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 was, I was sitting in my, uh, this room that I was staying in and I fell to the floor and I, I cried uncontrollably because it scared me, because I felt the anguish. If you are without Christ, he says, you are without hope, you are far away from God. It ought to bother us for people to not know Jesus. And it ought to be our mission to reach people who are apart from God. And then he gives us hope, he says, but now we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, probably one of the things that you think is going to happen is if you want to talk to us about church, if you want to talk to us about Christianity, you want to talk to us about what it means saved, that you'll go out there and afterwards and we'll be like, oh, you want to become a Christian? Fantastic. Let me give you a list of the rules. Let me give you, a, you know, how, I mean, here's some things that, oh, see that, that hair, that is not going to work. Uh, see all those clothes, all oh, that music, all that. And, and it's not true. We are brought near, not by our actions. We are brought near by by the actions of Jesus. Jesus has done all the work for us. 
So we tell you not the rules of how you live your life. We tell you the story of how he lived his and how he died and what he did to bring us to Jesus Christ as Lord. He wants to bring you near to him. And he's going to show you the rest of the sermon is going to be what he does in our salvation. But if you're here today, listen, it's not about you promising. It's not about you trying harder. It is about you surrendering your life and saying, God, I cannot do it any other way than your work on the cross, than your death. Bring me near to God through who you are and what you have done. And then we are brought into a relationship. The Bible calls it an adoption into the family of God. If you're here today, that's your opportunity. Man, don't pass it up. Don't substitute religiosity in that moment. Don't substitute confirmation or catechism or baptism or church membership or being a good person. Don't substitute any of those things. You are brought near by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, by him being buried in a tomb and him being raised to eternal life. Let Christ bring you near today. Now, when he does, he's going to go through some verses here. And instead of, uh, in the first part, it says, but you remember that you did this, you did this. Now, the rest of the, the time, he's going to say, for he, over and over and over again, for he. So, your homework for today is, uh, as families, put it up here, please. Your homework is, I want you to go and I want you to share your testimony at lunch today. Tell your kids, hey, here's how I came to know Jesus. Even if you're just a couple and you know each other, remind each other. I want to remember when I got saved. I want you to tear about what I was thinking, what I was feeling, what, what was going on. Share that testimony today uh, with your, with your uh, uh, family or whoever you're eating lunch with. Just go around. And then if somebody doesn't have a testimony, you're like, I'm not sure I've done that. Well, Man, let's talk about that. But share your testimony. So, and now for the rest of the time, he's going to talk about, I'm going to show you uh, six things that he does in Christ. One of the cool things about uh, a vision from God is uh, like we're trying to be multi-ethnic. Uh, we're trying to, intend, what we're saying is in its expanded vision. We've always had reaching people, but we are going to expand to be intentional in reaching multi-ethnic. Well, part of that is like, well, what are we going to do? Well, today we're going to talk about, we're not talking about what we're going to do. We're talking about what God does. How God does these things, what God does in bringing people who are different together. And so it's this great moment. And so it says in this verse like 10 and 11 times, he, him, or Christ, this is what God does. So let's look at what God does in bringing people together. Verse 14. So we'll read a verse, then we'll talk about it. So verse 14, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility uh, that is in his flesh. And so the first thing that Christ does uh, in bringing people together is he brings, he makes one from two. He makes one from two. So, so there are these two groups that are fighting. In this, in this case, it's the Gentiles and the Jews, and they don't like each other. And God says, no, no, when they accept Christ, I make one group from the two. I bring them together. There is no longer a dividing wall separating them. There is no longer sin that says, well, they, well, they, well, no, no, it's no longer, well, they, it's us. It is we are here together, and God brings people together in Jesus Christ. There is no longer longer a dividing wall. And so he brings them together in this way. And so no longer do you look at people. And uh, the very first week I ask you, pray that God would show you uh, people in a different sense. We tend to look at the outside. And so that's the way it is. I mean, the, the, and all of us do it. 
But ask God, show me who you are. Show me how you think about people. Show us their relationship with you. God, bring us together. So I'm going to go through these quickly because the last couple are really important. Uh, Verse 15, he brings one from two. Verse 15, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two. So the second thing that Christ does is he brings grace from the law grace from the law. In other words, the law is the rules. The law is set up so that we know that we are not saved, so that we know that we cannot live up to the standards of God. So the Bible says, thou shalt not and thou shalt, and we do it anyway. And the Bible is set up so that it can show us that, but we're not saved by that grace. Grace means, or by that law, we are saved by grace. That means undeserved favor. God gives you what you don't deserve. He literally, and the Bible says he literally lavishes it on us. God lavishes grace on us. So he takes away this this dividing wall. You know what one of the biggest lies about Christianity is? If you're here today and you're, one of the things that's going to hold you back is this idea that you're going to have to give up fun or freedom or both. That you're going to have to move away from all of the things that are exciting in the world, and you're going to have to move into Christianity, and that all of a sudden it's going to be boring and lifeless. It is a lie. The Bible says Jesus came to give us freedom. So when we choose not to do things according to the law, or we choose to do things, it is not because we say, man, this jail is awesome. I want to stay in this. It's because we... Uh, and understand God is giving us freedom and we walk away from those things. We live in freedom. Don't believe the lie that says um, that you have to give up everything uh, to be or fun to become a Christian or freedom. You actually get those things when you become a believer. And so it results in peace. Look at the people who live in the world and, and look at how they operate. And look at the sin that they embrace, and then they will say things like, well, if people would just accept it, or, or they, will, they will say, I don't have peace, but the reason is you. The reason is you don't accept it, or the reason is you don't do this, or the reason is, is this person's not in the, you know, the White House, or whatever it is. And it's not true. It's that they don't have peace because only Jesus provides that. Only Jesus provides that freedom just, ah, peace. Things are well with my soul, even when they're not well in the world. Number three, verse 16, God did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. God brings reconciliation from hostility, from hostility. One of the coolest things that happens in Christianity when you become a Christian is that you all of a sudden, I mean, you might hear it from a sermon like this, but it's not like this is preached on all the time. You will see your racist tendencies. You will see how you have uh, just adopted some over time. And God will begin to show you and God will begin to bring into your life reconciliation. In my group right now, so we're studying, you know, so we're a community group. So we just study the, the text that we brought up this week. It's so cool. We've been together for a long time. And so we're really open and honest with each other, which is great, is what you want. And so in, in my group, it's amazing how many of us have gone around and said, you know what? I was just, I was raised differently. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing the Bible and I'm seeing what the Bible says. And I'm adjusting my life to God's standards. And I'm seeing 
saying to myself, you know what? That wasn't a good part of my upbringing. That wasn't a good part of who I was. And so instead of hostility, God is bringing reconciliation and God is bringing in my mind and God is changing the way that I think about people who are different. And so God brings those people together. He says he brings both of them to himself and he reconciles them to him and to another. Now, verse 17, I want to spend some time on these next two. Verse 17, God came, or Jesus came, and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So God brings proclamation from silence. Proclamation from silence. In other words, we were not a good verbal witness, and then all of a sudden God brings us the ability to proclaim. And look at what he says in this text, because it's really interesting. This is the church of Ephesus. Jesus never visited Ephesus in his earthly ministry. But what does he say? He says, He says, He or God, God was the one who brought you the good news. God proclaimed the good news. Well, Jesus never went to Ephesus to proclaim the good news. Paul did. But in this verse, it says Jesus did. How do we reconcile that? Well, it's very easy. Jesus is using Paul, but God is the one that is bringing them there. That's huge. You're like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, Jesus does. And Jesus is the voice of it, even when Paul is the one actually saying that. And we go from silence in this place. We go... uh, from this moment uh, of I'm not sure what to say to all of a sudden knowing that God uh, speaks through us. Let me give you a, an example. Those of you really old at River Valley, I told this story years ago, but, but this is my best story of this. So I'm traveling and preaching this long before River Valley. I'm up at a church at Fort Worth. I go up early because I didn't know where the church was and I didn't want to get lost and be all stressed out. So I find the church. I still got several hours to go till I need to be there to preach. Uh, and it's a night service. And so I go down the road and uh, there's a wiener schnitzel. So I know it's of God. And uh, so I go to Wiener Schnitzel. I walk in, gonna sit down, and a guy walks in right beside me. So there's two cash registers. He goes up to this cash register and he says, Give me some water. And so they gave him like a, you know, one of those little clear cups. And he's like, I want a big cup. And they said, well, sir, you know, if you want that, you have to pay for it. These are the water cups that are free. He gets real mad. Well, I'm, I'm in my other line. I order uh, my meal. And I say, well, here, you can use mine if you want. And I'll take yours. I'm just drinking water anyway. And I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. And so he grabs my cup. You know, I got a big cup. And I grab his little one. He gets some water. And he walks out. And I was like, hey, 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 you didn't say thank you. But whatever, you know. So I do, I do my good deed for the day. And I moved on. So, so I sit there and I eat my dinner and uh, I'm driving back to the church and, and in no hurry. And I see him walking on the side of the road. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is like, this is such a good moment for me to, to testify about Jesus because we've got this link, right? Like I've already helped him with water. Now I'm giving him a ride. He probably going to name a child after me once we're done. And so I, so I pull over and uh, you need to know, I drove, at the time I drove a little Nissan pickup, two, two seats. So, I mean, it's right there. All right. I mean, like, and so he gets in and I say, Hey buddy, you know, I, I, I'm the guy that gave you the, the water at Wiener Snizzle. You know, where are you going? I'll be happy to take you and uh we get in and he sits there and he huffs like you know like, and and uh we drive for just a second and he looks at me and he goes what did you do to my water and i and i looked at him and i was like what do you mean and he looks at me and he goes 
I can always tell when they mess with my water. And he's shaking, and he's right there. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, he's going to kill me. I mean, like, like, that was my first thought, my first thought. We had just had Creed, and so we had just upped our life insurance. And I, honestly, my very first thought was, he's going to kill me. Mel's going to get this big check and be like, woo Look at this check. Man, I miss my husband. What was, what was his name? Uh, but look at this check. And so he was, he goes, I can always tell when they mess with my water. And he starts going off like, like, like me and the Wiener Schnitzel people have a conspiracy against him with his water. And I'm, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, I got to get this guy out of my car or convince him that, you know, we all drink the water. It's fine. Yeah, you know, whatever. And so, so he just is kind of rambling and going and all of a sudden... And I, I and, 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 and really and truly, so we passed by the church and I see the church and I'm like, I got to get a hold of this situation. And so I told him, I said, buddy, let me tell you something. I said, I'm fixing to go to that church and I'm fixing to preach, you know, sort of subtly saying, you, you, you heard a preacher, God's not going to be happy. And uh, so, so I said, let me tell you what I'm going to tell him tonight. And I kind of preached my, my sermon and I told him about, and I said, we both know what you've been doing. I said, we, but, and, and it was all of a sudden, it was like this moment where Jesus took over. And it was, a, it was crazy. I said, we both know what you've been doing. And you're sitting here trying to blame me for your water. And all I've done is help you. And you're blaming me for the consequences of your life and your bad choices. And, and I mean, I went from defense to offense. And he started, I mean, again, we're in a little, a little cab of a pickup. And he's going like this, you know. And all of a sudden, he's going like this. I'm like, hey, here we go. Here we go. And so I go on and I tell him. I was like, Jesus came to set you free from all that junk. Jesus came to forgive your sins. And you are sitting here and you're blaming the person that God put in your life to tell you about Jesus. And I begin to tell him about Jesus and that he can forgive his life and forgive his sins. And, and I was like, no, no, no. You listen. And I was witness to him, and you could see it working in. You could see it uh, playing out. And I experienced this first because it was no longer me saying these things. It was God using me. And I'm not, Mr. I'm really, I'm not Mr. Bold. I'm not Mr. Come on. I'm Mr. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I really am. I'm, I, and, and man, but God took over in that moment. We went, we went a couple blocks away. He was like, oh, oh, that's fine. This fine. Pull me over right here. And I pulled him over and let him out. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, that God used me in that moment. And then there was a moment afterwards as I drove back to the church and I was shaking because I, was, I, was, I really was scared. And I'll never forget having to decide at that moment what I was going to do because I remember thinking, what are you going to do the next time you see someone? And I remember I preached that night and I drove home that night and I told Melinda the story and, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do the next time because I picked up a lot of uh, hitchhikers in those days. And... Uh, and, and I, I said that, and I'll never forget the next time driving down the road and seeing somebody, and that fear for just a moment, and then all of a sudden remembering, oh, Jesus is going to take care. The next person I saw and I picked up had a tremendous experience with Christ and gave their life to Christ. And, and I'm, I'm telling you that not to go, hey, everybody be like me. I'm telling you that to be like, you are like me, and you're afraid, and you're nervous, and you don't know what's going to happen, just like I am every single time I witness. And God shows up, and God proclaims the gospel. He came, he proclaimed the good news to you, and you were far away, and he brought you peace. Jesus does it through us. Jesus proclaims through us. And so if you're here today, God is speaking to you. God is showing you, listen, 
this is true. This is real. I really am showing you the way. You might use my voice. You might use the worship team's voice. You might use the people at the connections uh, uh, area afterwards. But he is speaking and he is proclaiming, I want you to come back. I want you to come. And so we go from this silence to this proclamation. Next, in verse, uh, what number is this, five? In, in verse uh, 18. So it says, for through him we both have access to the spirit of, uh, access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. So when we, so look at what God does. God brings us, uh, makes us citizens from foreigners. God makes us citizens from foreigners. In other words, he, he brings you in. If you've ever been to a naturalization cer uh, uh, ceremony uh, here, he brings people in. He makes them. You were foreigners, but now uh, you are naturalized citizens. He's saying we do the same thing uh, in the kingdom of God. So when I was, when I was young and growing up, uh, I went to a different school uh, most guys, and when I became in seventh grade, I knew there was a cool kid that I wanted to be friends with. His name was Sean. And so I worked really hard to be friends with Sean, and we became friends when I was in seventh grade. And I started going over to his house and hanging out. And uh, over the next six years, Sean became my best friend. And a uh, couple things about Sean's family, there's uh, his dad, his brother, and him. They're all six foot six or six foot seven. And, uh, and so I would go over there. His dad intimidated me to no end. I mean, he was so big, and he was kind of a man of few words, really nice guy, but I remember it took me like four years to call him by his first name, and I was so excited when I finally called him by his first name, but then his mother is the, uh, Sean's mother, her name is Masita. She is the sweetest woman in the world, and when my family was going through a tough time, and my parents were getting divorced, Masita, one day I was over there, and she says, Cody, you know you're welcome here anytime. She says, I want, I, want you to, uh, I want you to be a part of this. And I went from not even knowing Sean to now them inviting me into his family. Last three, two or three years, I didn't knock on their door. I just walked in. When I was hungry, I knew where they kept snacks. They always had snacks. And I just went and I got them. Sometimes I would be driving around and hungry and I would stop at Sean's house for a snack. And then sometimes they always, they always slaughtered cattle and they always had a, I mean, a mountain of, of uh, steaks. And every night when dinner got ready, they never asked me to stay and eat with them. It was just expected. There was always enough steaks. And I always ate with them. And it became a citizen. I mean, I definitely looked like the adopted kid. It was Sean and his brothers and me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, like I think Masita's taller than me. But but I was I was I was brought in. That's what happens in the kingdom of God. God brings you in. And there are, there are rights, but there are also responsibilities. And he brings you in. He says, you're now my son. You're now my daughter. I want you to have these privileges. God makes us citizens where we were foreigners in the kingdom of God. Number six, verse 20 and 21 um, his, right at the end of, of verse 19, it says God's household. So it's talking about the church. And then verse 20, God's household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. So God makes a church from people. 
God makes a church from people. All of us as individuals, or all of us as couples, or all of us as families, we come in here as these groups. But he says, I bring them together, and I build them together into my household. He brings these individuals. And now he's saying, I bring individuals who don't look like each other. And this text specifically says, I bring Jews and Gentiles. It's the strongest argument that we have in the New Testament for racial... <clears throat> racial reconciliation and harmony within the church because he says, I bring these two groups who are totally against each other and I bring them together and I build them together. And they're, they're no longer two, they're one, but I build them in such a way that they become a church. They become a holy temple, he says. And we need each other and we are better with each other. One of the things that's happening today in modern uh, spirituality, if you want to say that, is, is this idea that, that, that you can grow to your potential outside of the church. And it's not true. It's not true. You need us. We need you. You cannot reach your potential in Jesus Christ outside of the local church. He builds us together, and we become strong when we are together. When it is you and your family, when it's y'all over here, or when you want to keep everybody uh, away and just be exactly like you, he says, you'll never be built into the holy temple that I have. God builds us together in that way. God builds a multi-ethnic church that grows together, and it grows into a holy temple. And then in verse 22, it says, in him you, you individually are also being built. You are built as the church grows and you participate in it. Guess what? God builds you. God grows you. God makes you better. You are more like Jesus when you are involved in the local church. And so we grow together in this way, and he builds us together in this way. And now all of a sudden the church grows, and it becomes a holy temple. You grow. You reach your potential. You begin to say, you know what? I know what God's purpose is for me. I see what God's plan is for my life. And you begin to grow in that way. These are the things that God does. God brings one from two. God brings grace from law. God brings reconciliation from hostility. God brings proclamation from silence. God brings citizens from foreigners. And God makes a church from people. That's what Jesus does. That's what he's doing right now. Be a part of what God is doing and watch your life explode as he grows you. Let me invite you right where you are to bow your heads and let's pray for just a moment. Let's start where we started. If you were to, um, if you were to uh, be invited to a, a reunion today, a spiritual one, would you be able to tell about the time that you got saved, the time that you gave your life to Christ, the time that you willingly confessed your sins, that you told him that he forgave you? That's the starting point of, of what he's doing for you to be personally saved by Christ. It doesn't happen by coming into this building. You hear about it, but that's not what happens here. It happens with Jesus drawing you near. Without Christ, without hope, without God, without a future, and he draws you near, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, he saves you. Do you have that testimony? 
If you do, praise God. Thank him for how he brought the people in in your life that he used. But also today, ask God, bring those who don't have that into your salvation today. You can have that right now. You don't do work. You don't earn it. You don't learn it. Grace is um, undeserved, undeserved favor. He literally gives you something that you can never earn on your own. The most important thing in the world, your salvation, your relationship. So today, right where you are, you can ask Jesus, God, forgive me. God, set me free from my sin. I'm without Christ. I'm without hope. And let Jesus draw you near. How by his blood, the Bible says, he died and his blood was shed to wash away our sin. Jesus never sinned. The Bible says, though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. He will wash away your sins. Believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that he was buried. And believe that he was resurrected from the dead. He came alive. Let him rule and reign in your life. You make that decision today. Secondly, for those who are here and you know Jesus... Pray for our church. Pray that God would do everything that he just said. God, make us from many different groups, from many different backgrounds. We don't have two here. We, we have dozens. I mean, think about it. Think about how different Texas is from the north or from the coasts. It's a different world. God, make us one. Think about how God raised us. Some of us uh, in, in some pretty hard financial situations. Some of us in some pretty good ones. God, make us one. Some of us in urban settings, some of us in suburban settings, some of us in very rural settings, very different. Make us one. Bring all the differences that you can and make us stronger together and make us one. Make us not, oh, there's a, there's a, a black Christian or a white Christian or Hispanic or Asian or... Now make us River Valley believers in Jesus Christ. Make us one. Build us together. And God, build me stronger because you're building us together. May we grow into a holy temple. Jesus, thank you, God, for the the diversity that you are giving our church and will continue to give us in the days to come. God, we welcome those who you love and who you died for. Help us to be responsible and responsive to who we are in Christ Jesus on their behalf that we may proclaim that Jesus is the one who draws us near and brings us together. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.